ASMR, ASMR for our squeaky, squeaky chairs. What, what are you looking for? Oh, WD-40. <laughs> okay, here we go. Living in a scientific age, we need citizens who know enough about science to make intelligent decisions about what they do. We've used science to, to prolong life, to increase security and happiness. But it can also be used for destruction. Are we going to use it constructively? It'll be up to you, and you too. Hey, Todd, do you know why... <laughs> So natural. Why why don't scientists in Portland trust atoms? How come? Well, because they make up everything, just like Portland's weather forecast. Oh gosh. I was hold on. This is not thank you. You've I was trying that one deserves the extra love. Come out on the other extra long one i was quick trying to find a i realized that now that we're using chat gpt for our opening jokes that i need a a um an ai voice saying ha 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 or boo (laughs) we'll do it live we'll do it live Uh, that was a really old joke too. I've heard that joke yeah, a billion of, times of before. I've got a shirt with it on it. And then and that's really oh, I think I might have one too. <laughs> I might have a shirt that says that too. They make up everything. And that was a lazy Portland tie in. That's <laughs> right. like an insert. That's... Well, this create a funny brief joke for a podcast about Portland, Oregon and science. That's like the the musician. It's great to be here in that like looks on the back of the guitar. Portland and everybody <laughs> claps and uh, but speaking of Portland I just came from uh, my friend Joni who does a Twitch stream uh, has a Twitch channel called VH V VC archives is what she does and so we we share tapes and she hunts for VHS tapes too and so we were doing a little live stream from her house watching some tapes and I'm getting there and she lives on like Stark and 120th or so, Southeast 120th and Stark. And I'm getting the bag of tapes out of my car and it's kind of a residential street, but right like less than a block from Stark. They're like right off Stark, maybe yeah. like three houses. And I look over and it's a beautiful sunny day here and there's a three-year-old just kind of standing, standing out on the curbed on the uh across not across but next to next to where Joni lives and holding this ps smoking <laughs> holding a ps4 <laughs> controller a ps5 controller i think yeah. and just like kind of standing there and and looking over at me and and kind of started walking over to me and i was like okay no. <laughs> i was like, and so i put my stuff down i kind of walked over there and crouched down and i was like where do you where do you live? And he's like, and he had, he could talk, but I mean, it's like three or three and a half. And you can tell there was some sort of speech, yeah, speech pathology going on of some sort. But so we kind of made, made word like noises for the most part, but it was clear that he had no idea where he lived. And I was like, Hmm. And bear, uh, had bare feet on and, and which is fine. I mean, it's a beautiful sunny day, yeah. but standing on the pavement. And I yeah. was like, 
then I'm like, well, can I be, can I be the guy that's picking up a child right. in the middle of the street and like whatever? But I was like, so I, I picked him up and I was like, well, let's go find a house that looks familiar. And so I kind of walked down the street a little bit and about two houses down, there was a guy out doing gardening and I was like, oh, maybe he was out with dad or whatever. And so I walked over there and I was like, excuse me, sir, do you know who this kid belongs to? And he's like, oh, I think maybe that house, I'd missed the house right next to Joni's. <laughs> Um, so he's like over there, I think. So I walk back in and kind of making sure the kid's okay. And he seemed, you know, fine and happy. And we're talking about the flowers and all that. And I walked towards that house and saw that the front door was open and I was like, Oh, okay. And there was like a couch with some cardboard on it. And like the house was looked like they were moving in or something like that. And I was like, Oh, they just, the door didn't latch, whatever. So I walk up to the open door and um, I kind of peek inside and like the back doors, are okay, everything's kind of open. And so I knock and, you know, anybody here, all that, no one and no one. And I was like, okay, well, maybe they're in the backyard. So we kind of walk around the side and look in the backyard and there's no one in the backyard. And I peeked, I didn't go in the house, but I peeked around the corner and they had a TV that had a PlayStation thing on it. And I was like, okay, well, this all at least belongs together right. and I see some kids toys, but it does look like they're moving in. And so blah, blah, blah. And then by that time, Joni was like, where, where did Todd go? Right. And so she came, she comes out and sees me and I'm still holding the kid. And she's like, Oh, okay. Well they live here. And she's like, and so we kind of go to the door again and knock and ask anyone's here. And it's clear. No one's there. And so we're like, well, now what do we do? And then someone pulls into the driveway. This this dude in mid twenties, maybe kind of a skinny looking shaved head guy, in this kind of beat up pickup truck. And Joni's like, oh, that's him. And I was like, okay, so clearly there's more going on. They're not just moving in. They are just in, in, in what I'll call a state of flux in, in their home. Um, and so I'm still holding the kid and so i finally i finally put the kid down and he's like daddy or whatever and walked over and the dad just kind of looked annoyed a, a hey, little buddy, annoyed you didn't, you didn't bring the you didn't finish the shopping <laughs> <laughs> but not even like barely acknowledging that there was a kid or like oh my gosh i can't believe you know you'd ex right. you'd expect something and he was just kind of like huh and so i just just walked away you know back back to joni's house or whatever and he's like so what were you guys doing walking around here and I was like, oh, I was just returning your child who was out loose in the street as a three and a half year old in southeast Portland off of Stark. Don't mind me. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try Blame to stay me. out of your way. But yes, I mean, such a, a, an, a crazy level. Like I could see what do you do? You, do? you know, I can see emotion, like sure. any sort of emotion after that. But it was just so like, oh, here. Weird. You're you're giving me my newspaper that was on my driveway. Like it was that sort of a. So, yeah, I think the house uh, has some problems there. I guess, which is heartbreaking. The kid was very sweet and very cute, but that was my adventures in Southeast Portland today. But there is news that we won't really go into too much. But uh, on behalf of my buddy Colin, I I feel like I did have to mention that Damian Lillard has uh, requested to be traded, uh, Damien. We don't ever talk about sports here, and it's not something I care all much about, but Colin was very into the NBA and always hated Damian Lillard because he was so good, and but he wasn't on the Lakers because the Lakers is his team. And 
And Lillard had said on and on uh, that he wanted to stay with Portland, but he wanted to build a championship team and stuff like that. And I think in this this latest draft, uh, Portland picked some younger players instead of uh, organizing something else that, that would help him because he's getting older. And I'm assuming that he wants some championship rings because he is really, really good. So... He finally, after years of saying, I'll stick around if, if, if he, this last time was like, if they, if they're getting younger players and not someone on my level that will get championships, then I'm out. So I don't think they know where he's going yet, but I think that was announced yesterday. So I have no opinion about that. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't even know what opinion I should have. I I don't, (laughs) I guess I don't. Bye. <laughs> anyway, it is a bummer because they got really, really close. It was either last uh, two years ago to to the championship, and I feel for the guy because you don't want to just like abandon teams and uproot right. yourself and all that. But I get wanting to go where your talents your can be. Career is is best. Yeah, totally. cemented in in some rings too. Yeah. Um, did we talk about the documentary Shiny Happy People? Last time you and I did. I don't think we okay. talked about it on the show. Yeah, if anyone's worth uh, wants to dig into that, I think it's on Netflix. Max. Um, I don't know what it, it's got to be either of those two because those are the two accounts I share with you. <laughs> and by I share, I mean I steal from you. Um, it is a documentary, like a four-part documentary on the Duggars, which is that nineteen and counting, the two parents that have. Now like 20, 21 kids or something like that. Amazon Prime. Amazon Prime. Okay. Yes, I guess I so just, I do also things. share that with you, don't yeah. I? <laughs> I do accidentally one-click purchase an audiobook <laughs> to be received by you in a way that I can't figure out. <laughs> I recall that now, by the way. I owe you $14. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, it, and it's about them and their son is it's been a big scandal with him uh, being involved with some child pornography stuff and politics and religion. And it's just a really fascinating look at that that uh, family that was kind of rammed down our throats as like yeah. the epitome of of the what they call the quiverful movement, which and it goes into that. It's a whole movement that I wasn't even aware really existed. Um, but yeah, it's super, super interesting. So uh, watch that if you have a chance. Yeah, it it definitely you know, it, it bills as this is about the Duggars, but the Duggars in this documentary are much more of a symptom right. of, of the bigger issue. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, it's it's fascinating, disheartening. It's scary uh, and and moving. It's it's a really well done documentary. Yeah. So but. check that out. called shiny, happy people. But more on to better things. Why don't you take this first story? Because then you can tell us more about the it. other. The other documentary we watched this last week was uh, about um, Anna Nicole Smith. Oh, is it a uh, new new one, or did it like came out a year or two ago? Because I, I remember watching one that came. So you, you tell me about it. I'll look at it. You don't know me, I think, or something like that. No, that is crazy that you just said that. Okay, you don't know me, because that is a documentary I looked up and is. <laughs> Not available on any pirate, pirate bay thing that I've seen, but you don't know me as a documentary about showgirls. Okay, <laughs> know me. It's N O M I, which is the right. name of Elizabeth Berkeley's character, and I'm listening to this is a roundabout. Um the the popular podcast. You must remember this, which is kind of a Hollywood pop, but they've had a like 15 part series called the Erotic 90s, and it's all about all of those. 
sexy thrillers that came out, one of which we'll watch next month for body or for uh, Portland at the movies, and that's Body of Evidence. But it had a whole thing about showgirls, which is a subject I could talk endlessly about because I find <laughs> so fascinating. fascinating as a macro micro everything about that. Um, but that's a document, so I was like, oh, I'll look up that and see if that's available. So it's weird that you said that. Because did you know that? Like, why would you say that the name of the the Nicole? Oh, uh, it's Anna also Nicole? you don't know me. Yeah. Oh, weird. <laughs> oh, that's that's freaking me out. Then what a weird coincidence. Because the other one is yeah, you don't n o m i. You don't know me. Know me. Know me. Wow, that was a pointless story. I just forced you to sit through. Then <laughs> waiting for me to figure out. <laughs> Waiting, but I do appreciate it, just letting me find my way back. You knew there was no point in trying to stop me because it wasn't going to happen. <laughs> so is this a new one then? I, April 17, 2023. Oh, yeah. interesting. Yeah, it's it's in that <clears throat> there's a, a style of documentary that everybody's doing right now, which opens with somebody talking like doing hair and makeup, getting their microphone on and setting up the like, lights, setting and... up the lights. And that's the, the opening. And then you cut to, you know, all the things I've had. Uh, a, I'm going to have a really hard time talking uh, about this because it's so gosh, personal to me. It, totally. Uh, and so it's about Anna Nicole Smith and it's, um, it, it, she had such a, a big personality and, uh, big moments, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. They, when she in the American Music Award moment, you yeah, know, there's, yeah. There's these these incidents that happen that we were all witness to, or the next day witness to, and interesting seeing that piece together with who she was raised as, and the issues, and the childhood, and the <clears throat> and finding her way to fame, and the billionaire and the, yeah, all the things yeah. it, it, it's a really fascinating story and uh, well that's good because really well I, I feel like and i'll have to look that up now too there was another documentary about her that came out uh, like two or three years ago and so i i figured that i'd seen it but i'll check it out but yeah, yeah this is a good one i mean i when she did her guest jeans campaign do you remember yeah. that oh yeah. my gosh she was just everywhere gorgeous in that yep. and yeah she has an, an outsized personality and story and just is pretty fascinating. Oh, yeah. good. I'll check that out. Yeah, that's a big one. Um, so thousands of Twitter users report problems ex accessing the site. In a tweet on Saturday afternoon yesterday, Musk, Elon Musk, said that verified accounts are now limited to reading 6,000 posts a day. For unverified accounts, the number <laughs> drops drastically to 600 posts a day. New, new unverified users can only access 300 posts a day. So what uh, what they're doing is uh, kind of what Reddit is is struggling with as well. All of the AI companies are scraping as much data as they can possibly get from as many human writers as they can possibly get to and feed is, is the there AI a, engine. Is there a sudden surge in that because yes. of all this AI stuff? Yes. Okay. Yeah, and so their their usage rates are spiking and the revenue rates are staying the same because when you when you've got a bot that is scraping twitter it's not clicking on any ads oh, <laughs> right? yeah, sure. and so their ad revenue is flat or 
going down right and their their resources that they're consuming to deliver tweets is spiking and going up and so he's clamping down and being super reactionary which i i get it from the technical side but uh from a consumer side i'm like your value benefit is tweets and so that better be unlimited right <laughs> you know, just yeah out there well and i noticed and, too i sent this to you guys yesterday that um you unless you're signed into an account you can no longer view nope. anyone else's tweets which is yeah. i think a terrible yeah decision because so much news like all that stuff is passed around whether or not yeah. like i follow i don't follow twitter but i see twitter come up and all my new stuff too or links to that yep. and that's a bad decision because then you can't even get anyone to your site to see what it's like to be like, oh, I should sign up or whatever if you yeah. can't see it at all. So, so I have have stayed off of Reddit. I'm no longer part of Reddit uh, and I'll probably do the same with Twitter here shortly. Wow. Um, You're going to go to Mastodon? <laughs> no. Truth Social? Truth Social, yes. <sighs> Uh, well, don't go to Virginia because they're going to become the latest state to require age verification for online pornography. Mark, what would backers say this law is for? It's for the children. It's to keep the children, children keep safe. Keep the children safe. We're coming for the children. That's right. Um, people who want to browse online pornography in Virginia will have to identify their age. And this is the part that is the hiccup. Identify their age using unspecified technology. It's also not clear how effective the law be, uh, will be after Louisiana's law went into effect in January. Users noted they could easily bypass restrictions by turning off their phone's Wi-Fi or by using a VPN. Yeah, if you look at the map of who's searching for VPNs right now, like Virginia <laughs> is like dark red and everybody else kind of light pink. <laughs> um, excuse me. Uh, so it, it uh, with nearly universal support, went through the General Assembly, and it allows people to sue content providers for, quote, for damages resulting from a minor's access to such materials harmful to a minor. I'll, I'll, re, I'll, I'll restate that so we can all follow along. It allows people, that's you and I, Mark, yeah. we can sue content providers Quote, for damages resulting in a minor's access to such materials harmful to a minor. So there's a lot of unspecified languages going around uh, in that and allowing people to sue for that is, is uh, a little wild. They said in a February meeting that it's all about protecting children, of course. But Jason Kelly, the associate director of digital strategy with uh, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, said the technology poses several risks. He said that centralized databases like the ones used in Louisiana were vulnerable to hacking and potential tracking and unscrupulous websites could set up their own age verification prompts that really are a ruse to gather users' potential personal information. This is not just flashing your driver's license at a liquor store, he said. So when 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 government forces things to get smaller, like more restricted, more um, limited. Uh, it, it it never is good. Like it's never. Yeah. The regardless of the porn, regardless of porn, or that's right, not right, the right. issue. Is is like when when I'm here and I'm telling, I am mandating you to 
be more restricted. Right. And that's, that's never a, a, that's the, never the a good, good way. <laughs> the positive drug. Well, I was thinking yesterday, and it's true. It's like we're only as free as the person we disagree with being free. Like right. that's 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 how it needs to work. Right. Um, I do, and I I'm surprised it doesn't come up again. But I remember in the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s, are like, well, should we make a dot xxx for? adult material and of course everyone freaked out because that's admitting that people are going to look at adult material online and I was like what a perfect way to age restrict that portion of the internet that's the curtain you walk through in other words and not it's not up to every site it's not up to all these different things that you're putting up just to get people's information and all of those unscrupulous things that are around adult content there is a TLD of XXX now oh is there yeah oh interesting Is that something that you could just opt if you want, or are they going to kind of mandate that over a certain amount of years you need to migrate there? No, no, no. Uh, it has nothing. It's just an option for a uh, top for Todd Workoven dot XXX. Duly noted. Um, this next story, which I pulled, I guess, because I thought was interesting, but is not. Mary Hill Museum names it. Whenever I get off this mic like this, it tends to do that weird doubling up. Speak into the mic. Uh, Mary Hume Museum names a new leader in Amy Barron's, who was the executive director of Southern California's Cultural Center. Um, she'll become the newest leader of that most intriguing arts institution, which is a cultural mecca, this PR release says, many miles from the region's largest population center. It is a place that I've never been to. I pass it. I've been passing it a lot for the last 25 years, but... <laughs> I go up 97, and right. so like that would be going the wrong way right. or whatever, so I've never been there. But apparently they have Rodin sculptures, uh, indigenous yeah. objects, historical American yeah. realist paintings, a rich array of orthodox icons, and furniture designed by Queen Mary of Romania. Yeah, it's really neat. I've been into the parking lot. I've never been. <laughs> I've never been inside the museum. Well, uh, I didn't know closed, which I, I did. I've, I've walked the grounds. OK. Ago, so. Yeah. I've seen it from the other side of the river yep. <laughs> and it's, it's beautiful. beautiful. Uh, it was built in 1914 as a concrete mansion for Sam Hill. When it, I always is that just a northwest thing? What the, thing? Sam, what the Hill? Sam Hill or is that a national? Because my mom always said it, but she's also from the northwest. Right. So, um, yeah. What the Sam Hill? He was the. Entre- entrepreneur and road builder Sam Hill, who dedicated, th- who decided three years later that it should become a public museum, and it sits on fifty three hundred acres, part of which is that Stonehenge, which I finally did go to a couple yeah. years ago. But I didn't know that Stonehenge was on that same property, which just must be then divided by the highway. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it it's there's a RV park and everything by by the. Uh, Stonehenge. We go to Stonehenge probably once a quarter. Oh, <laughs> we, funny. We yeah, there all there, the time. I've been there exactly twice. Once to be like, <sighs> I've been passing this for 20 years. I need to go see what this is. And then last year when I took some Dr. RIP video footage there, I stopped again. We, uh, it was one of our first outings during COVID. Uh, like oh, that's a great in idea. In the peak of COVID. Yeah. We're like, well, let's, we, we have to go outside somewhere. Let's yeah. Let's do something. Oh, that's and perfect. So, yeah, that's so been around to, since 1929, yeah. that's oh. Stonehenge, which is crazy. <sighs> we had two sports stories this time. This one, 
Portland exploring two sites now for a 1.2 billion with a B cost for possible major league baseball mm-hmm. expansion. So there's basically two sites, one of them being Lloyd Center and the other one being out in Beaverton, a golf course. Um, and I stadiums are such a I have very complicated feeling and I guess not very complicated because like if you look into because there was it's creating jobs doing this it's just funneling more cash out of our own city yeah. and then using our own money to build it and it's always promised this and that and it's just never that right and and yeah and and to a, put it literally where the Lloyd Center Mall is like downtown basically which I, we already have one I guess which is a soccer stadium but it's probably not bigger Big enough to do that, but uh, look, <laughs> I feel like these things should be done in times of like we've got it all, all the rest of it taken care of. Now, what do we want to do for leisure? But like when we're just gonna have to bulldoze homeless people <laughs> into a ditch to make room for baseball, a sport which is fine, but dying literally, and they're <laughs> like trying to change rules and try to make it so that people want to come. I mean, just go to a pickles game. And that's, uh, yeah. And that's exactly. exactly like those types of games and those leagues, just like hockey too. Yeah. Those small leagues are so fun and so community based and so already in the infrastructure right. and don't cost 1.2 billion. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it'd be a 35,000 seat ballpark. There's some sketches that leaked. That's why this is kind of big news in uh, the, this year. So it's uh, uh, Lloyd Center and Red Tail Golf Course in Beaverton, which I wouldn't have much of a pro- as a big of a problem in Beaverton either. That's out on the outskirts. It sounds like if it's a golf course, it's already um, part of it. So anyway, Parkland is one of the country's largest cities with relatively few professional sports teams. Yeah, because we only have we only have basketball, really. Yeah. We don't have a WNBA team, do we? No, it's no. the Seattle Storm or whatever. Well, you can do this. Nick, our next segment, just the headlines, which we're the only podcast to do. That specific segment. This is a joke for like me and basically two other people. One of them not being you. But go ahead to read our just the headlines segment. Okay, uh, National Geographic now lays off its last remaining staff writers. The latest in a series under owner Walt Disney Company, which is such a bummer. I mean, I get it, but I mean, they're going to cease the the print publication, too. And that makes sense. But I mean, you're owned by Walt Disney. That should be like this is our educational wing. This is where I mean, because they still photographically (laughs) photographically, I guess, would be the proper way of. I've got the disease the one actor in Zombie Cats from Mars has who was supposed to say heretic, but instead said heretic. Heretic. <laughs> Speaking of Zombie Cats from Mars, our latest Portland yes. at the movie sings, you received quite the. I, I got a direct message from Montetray. From Montetray, director and visionary of. And so I, I, I'm making my moves slow. I don't want to upset the the. Apple the cards. artistic balance uh, of Montetre's mind. Yeah. So there's there's a movie filmed in Portland called Zombie Cats from Mars, which is quite possibly the, you know, <laughs> the. Uh, I guess I would phrase it differently depending on if you surprise me with 
a call in from one of the actors in the movie who seemed crestfallen that I perhaps <laughs> did not heap nothing but praise on zombie cats from Mars. Uh, it, it's a great movie. And um, the creator of it, the director and writer and producer and everything of it. Who goes by the uh, single name of Montetre. Montetre. With, with a accent and the whole thing. Uh, reached out to me and was like, "Hey, love the podcast and stuff." So, um, I uh, I need to figure out in Twitter like how to direct message. I don't know. If oh that's a yeah. Thing. Uh, can you? Do I, would, that? I don't know. Can you message people directly? And, no, I know you like, can do it comment? on Instagram. I guess. Yeah. Uh, so I. Yeah, we are at zero for two on getting on working our way into uh, low budget horror movies. We, we lost our chance with Harvest. The, the we're we're gonna get in the trilogy of Harvest gonna, of Fear. We're gonna get in the prequel. I know for Zombie Cats. I hope that's so. That's my that I'm working on. Uh, <coughs> the sorry. Yeah. The next. Um, Just the, the headlines. Headline, uh, Maury Povich launches an at home paternity <laughs> test called "The Results Are In." <laughs> So I, I heard about this. I can't decide if that's the greatest thing or the worst thing or just I, both at the same time. I, I think it was a really simple thing. I think what it was was a a marketing committee for a company that makes paternity tests was sitting around and like, how do we get the word out about this? Who is the guy for or girl for for paternity test like Maury Povich okay let's call him it is a pretty great pretty great idea so I look for those at a dollar store near you I guess the Maury Povich brand of <laughs> but can you uh, can you imagine having to go up though to a and like buy that like it's already bad enough you're buying a pregnancy test in some circumstances and buying the Maury Povich brand and there's new trolley service opening up uh uh, it, it's kind of a little bus that looks like a trolley mm. that services uh, a service that carries passengers to Multnomah Falls from Troutdale. Yeah. So starting to yesterday, yesterday. Oh, yeah. starting yesterday, July 1st, a new trolley service carries passengers from downtown Troutdale to Multnomah Falls for $15. The trolley will go up Interstate 84 to the falls. Then travelers can return back along the historic Columbia, Columbia River highway that's kind of fun yeah especially with the parking there is so insane trying to get to Multnomah Falls yeah. there's like eight, eight in the middle of a freeway there's a tiny parking lot that well if this next story is true which it kind of is but kind of isn't it's going to be devastating to my life because aspartame sweetener is to be declared a possible cancer risk by who who by the World Health Organization uh, so it's used in products like Diet Coke. Basically, everything that's sweetened that um, doesn't have is sugar-free. Um, oh, I was thinking saccharin. Saccharin I, I is another like, one. Saccharin was already... Saccharin was sabotaged by the sugar industry, though, because of something like this. And it became known that maybe... It, and it could be that it was true that saccharin's not good for you. But I know the sugar industry went after him. And that's why, like, Tab Cola went away. And, like, those right. types of sodas which then went to aspartame to sweeten things. Um, the World Health Organization's cancer research arm, the International Agency for Research on Cancer, or EARC, has conducted a, safe, uh, conducted a safety review of aspartame and will publish it next month. It's preparing to label the sweetener, quote, as a possible carcinogenic, carcinogenic, hello, cart, probably, 
carcinogenic carcinogenic there we go wow i, I was probably gonna... carcinogenic <laughs> vulnerable um uh, that would mean there's some evidence leaking aspartame to cancer, but that is limited. Um, so it's likely to cause controversy. And I'm partly reading this because in a month from now, when we all start hearing stories about how aspartame is going to kill you with cancer, um, it, that's not really what's going on. Uh, they said they find a tiny, tiny bit, but just because of how science works, they now kind of put that in that category. Um because it's human beings are a soup of many things. And so to, to pinpoint things like this is, is not easy and to blame everything on, on one chemical when there's a lot of that going on, but it is a, a potential hazard because it did show up sometimes somewhere in mice. Um, and so the food industry expressed concerns about the report, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't, and it doesn't say, how much you would need to take. And it's one of those, it's like, well, if you ate like four gallons of it in one day, like here every day, your arms, are, your, yeah, years, your yeah. arms will just fall off. Um, the, they say aspartame is one of the most thoroughly researched ingredients in history with always with over 90 food safety agencies across the globe, declaring it safe, including the Europe, uh, European food safety authority, which conducted the most comprehensive safety evaluation of aspartame to date. Um, there's existing as evidence, blah, 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 that, so that's going to change, but be, be aware that when you read those headlines coming on, that's not what probably it will be spun to, to say. Well, you were talking earlier about AI. We, we ourselves had an AI generated book of book of nonsense. Why don't you take that next, that next story? So an AI generated <laughs> book of nonsense are all over Amazon's bestseller lists. So uh, before I read this, like I, do still engage with TikTok, and it seems like every other video that I see is like, you can be a creator and you don't need to do anything. Like, and so I know where this is coming from without reading the story. Right. It's like, uh, 20 somethings out there becoming a creator will generate an ebook that gets uploaded to create space in Amazon. Okay, here we go. As of Wednesday morning, Amazon appeared to have taken taken action against the books, but the episode but the episode shows that people are spamming AI generated nonsense to the platform and are finding a way to monetize it. Looking at the bestsellers in teen and young adult contemporary romance ebooks top 100 chart, I can see 19 actual legitimate books. <laughs> so 81 of the top 100 are not AI nonsense, <clears throat> which I, I enjoy that term. Select titles include <laughs> When the Three Attacks, Apricot Barcode Architecture, The Journey to the Becoming Enlightened is Arduous. <laughs> Department of Vindu stands in front of his parents' tombstone. The God 2 spelled T-U. The God 2 mutters. Ma la air snorted scornfully. Jessica's attention, etc. So each of those was a title. These are all titles of books that I just all... When the three attacks. I do like Jessica's attention. Uh, Ma la air snorted scornfully. (laughs) That one's pretty good. Department of Vindu stands in front of his parents' tombstone. (laughs) 
This will absolutely be the death knell for Kindle Unlimited if Amazon cannot kill this off. The KENP payout will have have and writers will put pull their books in droves. If AI generated nonsense books were those with the farthest reach, then Kindle writers income would steeply drop. I honestly thought Amazon had a handle on the click farms. Clearly, clearly not in all capital letters. I think that was somebody's tweet, by the yeah. way. I do like this. Yeah, that little last paragraph. Well, well, let's dig into one of those books called Apricot Barcode Architecture. For example, it begins with this great line: <laughs> "Black lace pajamas, black." Sorry. <laughs> now you're nonsense. Black lace pajamas, very short skirt. The most important thing. Now this lace pajamas are all wet. <laughs> I think that's how Twilight started out. <laughs> all right. Well, <clears throat> this one too. Complicated right? movie. Yeah, you can read this one if you'd like. It's <laughs> new to you. Would you Would you rather listen to this unfold or would you rather plow through it yourself, not having seen it? Read it to me. All right. Well, Mark Gay Furries are on a hacking spree against anti-trans movements uh, in five states. The self-described gay furries in the hacking group known as, known as Sieged Sec have s- expanded their campaign. The group, which earlier this month leaked data from Texas, the city of Fort Worth, claimed Wednesday that it had breached government websites belonging to the states of Nebraska, South Dakota, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, and Texas. In an announcement on the breaches, which encur- <laughs> which encourages readers to, quote, be gay, do crime. They said, quote, we have profoundly defaced the South Dakota Board and Commission's website. We left little special messages across their site. Unfortunately, they have now fixed the defacement. Since it seems South Dakota didn't appreciate our gift, we will offer gifts to someone else. We've hacked and leaked documents from the Nebraska Supreme Court internet or internet and the South Carolina criminal justice uh, information system, uh, which includes law enforcement training materials and presentations on everything from flying while armed to cybersecurity. Much of the information might not be sensitive, but the hackers campaign has certainly drawn attention. The attackers appear to have to be on a continuing continuation of the group's campaign against other states. It sees as opposing gender affirming care for transgendered youth. However, Brett Callow, threat analysis with cybersecurity firm MSISoft, the clunkily named MSISoft, cautions skepticism towards the hacking group. It should be assured that Siege Sex Motive Sec, SECs, boy, that's hard to say with an apostrophe, sexes. Siege Sex's <laughs> motivation is as straightforward as they say. Hacking photos of potholes and other fairly non-sensitive data seems like a very odd way of protesting a state's policies, he said. He told the Daily Dot, which is apparently where I got that article from. Anyway, watch out for gay furries hacking spree near you. Um, stand by. I have a... Stand by. Stand by. We can stand I have... by noise. Oh, hi, Mark. Um... I just pulled up a picture of their conference room. (laughs) (laughs) Is that an AI version of dogs playing poker? No, mid journey. I just said a, a conference room full of furries. Oh, (laughs) Oh, I'm looking. I didn't have my glasses on, but yeah, those are some highly rendered uh, furry anime looking things that I thought were dogs playing poker. Cause that's what it kind of looks like. (laughs) 
I, that was prime for me because I almost as one of our topics did the history of a dog dogs playing poker. Oh, it turns out it was just a guy that did a bunch of that and then kind of kitschy. Not much of a story to that. <laughs> but in our, our our local heroes section, which I always try to put at the end, is always kind of complicated. So let's look into this Minnesota man who was jailed following a Skittles assault. Investigators say that Tristan Statina, 19, walked into a Mankato, which must be a restaurant of some sort, a eatery Friday afternoon and began, quote, throwing Skittles at employees and customers. A woman identified as victim number one said that she was hit in the back with a Skittle which caused a stinging pain upon arriving at the restaurant. A cop quote, noticed Skittles all over the ground and a back. What am I doing? I need the. He noticed Skittles all over the ground and a bag of Skittles near the garbage. Statina was charged with misdemeanor assault for the Skittles. Fusillade. I've never heard it used. What am I? Oh, I'm thinking of fusillage. Fusillade. Huh. That must mean attack of some sort. A series of shots fired or missiles thrown all at the same time in quick succession. Huh. Then I wonder why an airplane, I guess a fuselage can also be a shape maybe. Hmm. That those are missile shaped. Huh. Well, there we go. We learned something from the Skittles assault. Thank you, Tristan Statina, he, who is now facing misdemeanor <laughs> disorderly conduct and resisting the police. <laughs> uh, he was also arrested earlier for possession of LSD and marijuana wax. But... Oh, and the probable cause document lists, quote, no permanent address. So hmm. anyway, not not necessarily a hero, but I do like his charm throwing <laughs> throwing Skittles at the lady who, quote, spread in joy, caused a stinging pain. He was wanting everyone to taste the rainbow for <laughs> for Pride Month. Anyway, that is that is the news Yay. for this week. So as I kind of mentioned with the with the background in in dogs playing poker that I was poking around my own notes for possible subjects this week. And I was reminded of that, um, a documentary that I can't find, but I swear it was on PBS about this, uh, in this, um, in the seventies, they did an experiment trying to catch neutrinos mm. and other things that you can't see here, detect, have weight are blocked by anything. Dark matters. So. And then, yeah. And, and building some sort of gigantic, pool full of dense water that they somehow were catching it from the moon or some crazy that is like oh that sounds interesting and it turns out that neutrinos are incredibly complex and <laughs> there is more to way more speaking of uh, nothing to the story way more to that story that i care to tackle in one thing so instead we're going to learn about george washington carver <laughs> the oh, next nice. <laughs> the next thing that comes up of course right after you think of neutrinos uh so why don't you tell me what you know about George Washington uh, Carver, Mark, white man, <laughs> middle-aged white man, Mark. He, he, he was, was black. black. Yes, he was an African American. He wasn't president of the United States. No, and uh, that's George Washington. That's uh, pretty much all I know. Yeah, uh, because I'm terrible. Oh, <laughs> so you only know he's black. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's interesting because usually, usually people know two things: that he's black, because <laughs> we hear about him during. Black History Month. Yeah. He's one of the the several that has trotted out there, and his invention of peanut butter oh, yeah. because he is notable for all the things that he invented with peanuts. A lot of that turns up not true at all. So okay. let's let's take a look at George Washington Carver then. Well, nice. then, so you're you're coming in from from ground zero then. Yes. Only so he he was uh, African American. He was born right before the um, Civil War officially ended in June of 1864 in Diamond, Missouri, born on a farm. 
Um, and he w- him and his mother were owned by a man named Moses Carver, who was a white farm owner. Um, and his uh, he and his mother were stolen from the Carvers. The Carver went out to find them, only found the baby. He was a baby at the time, so took he could never find the mother, who was probably bought to be resold somewhere else for something else, uh, and brought back and raised uh, George Washington Carver until he was 13 uh, years old. Um, so yeah, mother, oh, the mother and the sister was kidnapped. Uh, they only found uh, um, the baby. The baby. Hmm. So. Um, they raised they raised him and his younger brother his younger brother James uh, and taught them how to read and write and uh, brought them to school. Um, George was sick a lot as a kid and frail, but uh, instead the mom Susan taught him how to cook, mend, embroider, do all those things, and to garden, and how to concoct simple herbal medica- medications. And he developed this keen interest in plants. And he started experimenting with all this different stuff, crops, how to grow stuff. He became known as the plant doctor to local farmers due to his ability to discern how to improve the health of their gardens, fields, and orchards. Uh, And that was all kind of by the age of 11 and 12. Uh, And so he attended the all-black school in a nearby town of Neosho. And he was taken in then by another couple because Neosho was miles and miles down the road from where he grew up and back before cars. That was a problem. So he was sleeping at the school. So he was then taken in by a black couple who lived near the school, um, and they took on uh, George Washington Carver. Uh, so he moved to Kansas, and um, they they um, started going to school there uh, from one mis- mid- Midwest town to another and uh, attending other schools there. He uh, graduated from Minneapolis uh, in Minneapolis, Kansas. Kansas likes to take, they have Kansas, oh, that's Kansas City, Missouri, I'm thinking of. Right. Everyone's just borrowing their neighbor's <laughs> largest city to name their state after. Uh, so Minneapolis, Kansas in 1880 and applied to Highland College in Kansas and he was accepted there. So he traveled all the way there and they turned him, <laughs> they turned him away because they said, my goodness, I didn't realize you were black. <laughs> you may no longer go here. Um, so if they, uh, he ended up enrolling in Simpsons College, which is Methodist school, and they admitted everyone. So he got into, into there and he got into the art program because he enjoyed um, studying art and was doing botanical drawings. But then his uh, art teacher said, you know, you have a pretty key who actually accepted him. He didn't have a portfolio to show or anything, but wanted to get into art there. And I think she was building the art program. So kind of took a chance on him because he didn't really have an art background, saw that he did a lot of botany drawings and suggested that maybe he go into plants and flowers. Um, so he applied to the Iowa State Agriculture School, now Iowa State University, to study botany. And he became the first uh, African-American to earn a bachelor's of science degree through uh, I, what is now Iowa State University. Um, so he did a lot of studies on fungal insecticides and soybeans and um, sweet potatoes. And he like a lot of what they call mycology, which is the study of, of, of plant diseases and and um, those types of thing. Uh, he became he got the attention of Booker T. Washington, who was at t- uh, the famed Tuskegee uh, University and started working there. Um, one of his big things, uh, George Washington Carver's big thing, he was more of a um, less of a I'm writing this all down. I'm using these exact measurements. He was a 
learn by doing. I'm doing all these basically experimental things to see what works, what doesn't work. Mm -hmm. He wasn't um, like one of those strict. um, He always loved being and his big push was he wanted to teach southern black farmers how to be self-sufficient and how to get out of the system because uh, cotton had just wrecked the soil and it wasn't growing anymore. So what would happen is that black farmers would borrow money from like the grocer, get a tab going there until their crops came in. They wouldn't be able to sell their crops, which meant that they had to work basically for, it was just a basic, a different form of slavery basically. And so he wanted these farmers to have independence. And so he introduced the idea of sustainability which is you need to rotate your crops. You need to put organic soil into your, you know, stop with just putting this, this farm or this store made fertilizer. Here's how to compost. Here's how to rotate crops and introduce nitrogen back into your system. And soybeans and sweet potatoes and, and peanuts are a great way to do that. And so that was kind of his big push is giving that sort of the science side of it as opposed right. to like, um, but he just loved doing tinkering, loved doing all the, he didn't love teaching, but the students loved him because through all this, he is also becoming well-known, not just kind of for, for what he's able to do and these new ideas of environmental sustainability and, and all of that. But he basically kind of sounded like a Mr. Rogers type. Ooh, what video are you showing me? His there's, um, video footage of him. Just oh yeah, being him. And so this is just uh, background. Yeah, I have video. a little. Okay, yeah, he's just a kindly old, thin. Why well, at this point? This I've is never a video, nineteen thirty-seven. Yeah, there's so a, no, no. there's a a color video of him. Wow. Yeah, and just <clears throat> I, from what it is, just a super nice guy that loved everyone. He was a huge into um, his Christianity and living it out that, and it just seemed like a guy that everybody was at ease and enjoyed being around. Um, But the thing that we mostly hear about him is peanuts. He invented over 300 things to do with peanuts, and that's why we have peanut butter. So everything that us white Americans know is that George Washington Carver invented peanut butter, which that's not true. But (laughs) he wanted to show people, well, like, so if you don't plant cotton to sell, what are you going to do? And he's like, if you plant things like he was really big in the sweet potato. So he when you plant sweet potatoes not only can you sell them but you have food for yourself when you plant mm. this crop you can save this and they're like and somebody just was like well what am i supposed to do with all these peanuts and so he's like huh so he just like went away and thought for a while and he's like here's 300 things to do with peanuts or whatever and like <laughs> none of them really commercially caught sure. on but it was just to show like these are a resource you can do many many things with and to kind of get that idea out but the peanut association kind of caught wind of it and knew him. And so they invited him to Congress because it was right after the war, they were conserving things and the peanut industry, which a lot of people credit George Washington Carver of like single handedly building the peanut industry, but it was not, it was a huge growing industry at the time, um, but was invited to speak on their behalf at the 1921 ways and means committee of the U S house of representatives on behalf of the peanut industry which was seeking a tariff protection. So they were, he was talking, we need to put a tariff on incoming peanuts so we can sell them, you know, <clears throat> sell them our out or sell them ourselves. And he received a standing ovation, but also committed, uh, convinced the committee to approve a tariff on the common legume. Yeah. Peanuts, not a nut. They're a no. legume. Uh, I don't know what the difference is. All that's, <laughs> that's the extent of my knowledge. Uh, but because of all of that attention and because of just his, 
personal charm and his um e i mean he's very soft we'll hear his voice actually in in a little bit which is also interesting but just became known as the peanut man then because it just got tons of press Hmm. Uh, and all of that but so he lived as a minor celebrity but his focus was always on helping people he would uh, travel throughout the south to promote racial harmony and the thing about him too is because he just was a quiet person who just wanted to live out their faith and meet people and learn and do good he wasn't taking huge political stances and that kind of got him in trouble with the black community because they're like you are just becoming part of this institution that is already mm. inherently racial uh, motivated yeah, against yeah. us. Wow. And, and keep in mind, he was, this is in like the early 1900s right into the 1930, right. you know, he was born as a slave. Um, but then white people would also use him to be like, look, look what opportunities all blacks have to become this gifted, born a gifted scientist that happened to find schools that allowed him to come into it. (laughs) All of the, nothing needs to be changed because look, look at what he's able to do. And so they're using him. Right. Exactly. For a, our system doesn't need to be changed because it it works. But I mean, he was world renowned. He would talk to Mahatma Gandhi and uh, presidents would invite him over. And um, he worked at Tuskegee University for the longest time, even though he didn't like it that much. He just wanted to be tinker away in his life. He never married, never had any kids. He just always wanted to hang out in his lab and do his little experiments and all of that. Uh, he um, s- soon after, let's see, Carver died on January 5, 1943 at Tuskegee Institute after falling downstairs, which is sad. He was 78. Oh. So he lived, he lived pretty long. And he was buried next to Booker T. Washington on the Tuskegee Institute ground. He kind of had a conflicting relationship with Booker T. Washington, who was the founder of Tuskegee, who wanted, uh, they just had different teaching styles and different outlooks and stuff like that. Um, Much like two people we know, they had (laughs) conflicting (laughs) ideas, but uh, did always remain uh, friendship. Um, After he died, President Franklin Roosevelt signed legislation for Carver to receive his own monument, an an honor previously only granted to Presidents George Washington and Abraham Lincoln, uh, which is in Diamond, Missouri. So a couple quotes from Booker, or not from Booker T. Washington, from George Washington Carver, where there is no vision, there is no hope. Uh, What, let's see, is this one, is this one good? Uh, What you can do, when you can do the common things of life in an uncommon way, you will command the attention of the world, yeah. which is a pretty great thing. So there is some controversy now that um, it's kind of funny as, as we're all kind of revisiting history with new eyes and new information that there was a little bit of controversy about him. And some people say that, um, in fact, there are historians that say he's only famous because he was he was black like his he didn't wasn't the studious like write all this down make sure he was i mean he kept notes and stuff like that but he was a little a little more out there on his own so some people say that because um it's only because he's black but he does have a a long history of of very very important things especially those things about crop rotation and and uh sustainability but i wanted you to hear the voice of uh george washington carver I'm not sure that I am worthy of this splendid citation, but uh, I wish to say also that I thank you from the depth of my heart. Wow. 
So super hmm. fascinating, and that's probably was part of his appeal. That yeah. he, I mean, that's kind of like a Gandhi voice, actually. Yeah. Now that I hear that again, yeah. but yeah, just he kind of seemed like the Mister Rogers of like scientists that know a lot about crop rotation, <laughs> figuring out <laughs> crop rotation or whatever. But yeah, the only things that I knew about him, is, so that's why they call like he's only known for peanuts, even right. though that's like right. a very small and random portion of right. what he really was able to accomplish. Um, so yeah, I found that pretty interesting that's, and I that's felt... really fascinating the the dust bowl was such a dark moment not moment yeah. phase of our, our yeah. country's history is the that whole breadbasket got eviscerated by bad farming habits caused a you know local weather event of, effectively yeah uh, and that uh, there's there's crazy stories about the dust bowl and uh, the the dust cloud that made all the way to Washington D.C. from the Midwest wow. uh, during the signing of some legislation <laughs> to deal with the dust bowl. They <laughs> looked out the window and it was like hazy. A giant haboob coming, <laughs> totally. which is what they call those giant dust clouds. <laughs> Just one of my favorite words. Look, a haboob. Haboob. Uh, yeah. Nice. Wow. So rotate really cool. your crops. Rotate your crops, yeah. Yeah, and he just sounds like a generally uh, good yeah. good man that everybody liked that wanted the best for everyone. So good good for him. But he's always been one of those itches that I wanted scratches because yeah. it's like, yeah. I, again, I you hear about Trotted out every Black History Month, like him and like what, Martin Luther King, and we get right. one quote from each of them, and that's all we need to know. So cool, awesome. cool. Good job. Good story. Good story. Well, if you haven't heard the latest uh, episode of Portland at the Movies about the movie Zombie Cats from Mars, please do check that out. Uh, next month, next month we're doing Body of Evidence with Madonna. It was supposed to be Madonna Month because Brian and I were going to the concert in 17 days until that no longer seems to be happening. So I hope she doesn't Michael Jackson on us. Because that's kind of what he was doing when he yeah. kicked the bucket too. Thankfully, she's not a drug user, but right. instead she just runs her body ragged until it gives up and wants to die. <laughs> apparently, so best wishes uh, to you, Madonna. Hopefully, this uh, knocks a little bit of sense into you. You've been going a little nuts lately, and it <laughs> I just want a new album. So, Godspeed, Madonna. <laughs> What a dumb way to end this episode. <laughs> anyway, all that to say is next month we'll be looking at Body of Evidence. And I, I said that you, um, we all should kind of revisit those uh, early 90s, mid 90s erotic thrillers. Because oh, it right. was such a moment for disclosure and basic instinct and sliver, sliver and jade and, so, yeah. and all of these. And that one always has been lumped as like, this is the worst of the bunch. But I'm kind of interested to revisit. Was like, sliver was the one where the guy had the big uh apartment building and he had the and i never i'm kind of excited because i've never seen that one but yeah there was something about video cameras yeah. in sharon stone and william yeah. baldwin's place and totally. that huge ub40 i can't help falling in love with you remake mm -hmm. song was from that soundtrack which was huge and so i just oh that friggin ub40 song <laughs> hate it well, why don't i go out with that <laughs> ub40 UB40. I feel like oh, they one. are touring right now and oh, coming probably. to Portland. Oh, that and that uh, red red wine song. Oh yeah, that reminds me. I get I get you know, visual. Do you know PSTD about my 
what's that a cover of? Red Red Wine? Yeah, yeah. No, no. Neil Diamond. Oh, really? I don't think I've Red, ever Red, heard it. Well, I guess that's what we'll... Neil, Neil Diamond Red Red Wine was oh, the right. original, and uh, UB40 covered that song. Terrible. And, oh, well, then I hate them even more, because I... That and that Elvis one, too, I just... Because they made, made it into a... A uh, thing they did. No, the, oh. uh, the style of music from Jamaica, the... Reggae-ish. Reggae, uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I just get visceral, vi- uh, visceral flashbacks to my morning paper out hearing "Red Red Wine" because it must have been on Andy. Kiss FM's top Play forty. Some, some Neil Diamond "Red Red Wine." Red, All right. Red wine. <laughs> oh, Neil with your unbuttoned song. shirt. Go to my head. Interesting. Well, today we learned. Make me forget that I. And girls just want to have fun was a cover. There's a guy that sang that song. Oh, interesting. It's up to you. Like a Virgin was written by two men. (laughs) That's a slow song until they're like, well, this doesn't work at all. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.